God's grace is the theme of this book called the Bible. Amen? And as we look at the history of mankind, what we should see is God's grace because it is there. Now, last week, we started somewhat of a series. Now, when we talk about a series on Sunday mornings, what we're talking about is sermons that build one upon another. Don't think because you missed last Sunday you can't come next Sunday. Just be here. Amen. And uh, But we're going to be talking the next several weeks and hopefully preaching and, and teaching about listening to God. Now, you turn on TBN, you turn on your radio, you turn on anything where anybody is talking about the Bible or Christian things, everybody talks about listening to God. In fact, you can find some that said, I just got a message from God. Somebody out here has got some disease and I'm going to heal it or something along those things. And always get nervous because... Now, we have plenty of references in the Old Testament where men heard specific messages from God. But how many of you read the last chapter of Revelation? There's some promises and some warnings in there to people who mess with the Word of God. Read Galatians chapter 1. All the revelation you need to know to get you to heaven has already been written down. Don't let your message, don't let something you've heard confuse someone else on their way to to heaven. Amen? If you want to make sure you're true, get it out of the Word. Now, God set up an example of listening. It's called creation. He spoke, and there wasn't anything there. I mean, you can't imagine, I can't imagine. I mean, we think uh, in terms of concrete. We think in terms of things we can hold in our hands. When God was there, there was nothing but God. He spoke. He said, let there be light. And nothing became something. He said, how does that work? Talk to God. He did it. It said the earth was without form and void and people go and they make all kinds of things out of that. But let me tell you something. When God spoke, what was confused, what wasn't uh, clear, what wasn't organized, what wasn't beneficial, all of a sudden became that way. Why? Because it listened to God. In fact, the only thing in creation that we have testimony, repeated testimony, that it did not listen to God is mankind. Even today, we can look up into the sky and see the beauty of God's creation. Now, NASA is looking for life on other planets. They've been looking and they're going to keep looking. But I like the pictures of the stars and the planets and the nebulous. And I just think of how great God is. How great His resources are that He could take a span 13 and a half billion light years across 
and stick one little planet in the middle of it and put us on it. You know what? No other being, no other concept of God has that much to waste to put one little planet in the center. You wonder why God makes the universe so big? It's because he wants to show us how big he is. Amen? And we still talk about that. In fact, there's no people group in the history of mankind that has not spoken about God's creation. I mean, they draw pictures of the sun and the moon and the stars in rocks and in caves, and they draw pictures of the animals. Now, where did they come from? God made them. That's where they came from. If we choose, last week's sermon, if we choose to listen to the testimony of creation, it will make us come to the understanding of who God is and draw us closer to Him. If we refuse to listen to the testimony of creation, the very same things that will draw you closer to God will drive you so far away from Him you refuse to recognize that He even exists. How does that work? Well, that's God in his communication. And what I want us to do today, again, last week and and this week, we're, we're, we're laying somewhat of a foundation. I mean, there's going to be plenty of application and things that we can do. Of course, in, in every message, I try to preach something that's going to help us draw closer to God. But we need to understand that when God spoke... Creation obeyed, and we still give testimony to the goodness of God by what we see and what we understand. But we can also choose to ignore that testimony. Now today, I would like for us to look at the contrasting pattern, the antithesis of creation, as in creation everything was good, in creation everything obeyed God, Except man. And we're going to literally walk through our Bible from Genesis to Revelation and look at the pattern of God and man and how God communicates to man and how man has uh, refused to listen to God. So let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. And I I want to do this quickly. I'm going to skip over uh, a lot of things. Otherwise, we'll be here till next Sunday. And I I don't think that would be conducive to getting to the point of the message here. Uh, Let's just look at uh, uh, verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Somebody said one time we were talking, said, you believe God created the earth in seven days? I said, no. And they looked at me, you believe evolution? No, you dummy. I don't believe evolution. It says six days. God rested the seventh day. And it wasn't because he was all worn out. And he burned his fingers, lighting the stars. 
and, and has strained his back, even some of those big things that are out there in outer space into place. And he just needed... No, God rested because he wanted us to understand something about God. When God finishes with something, there's nothing left to be done. God does things for his pleasure. He wanted to enjoy creation. I can sit there all day and look at pictures of creation. Grass and trees. And... Now, we have grass and trees in the city, but it's just not the same as when you've got a stretch of trees farther than you can walk in a day. I love to look at God's creation. But God spoke in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, that dressing and keeping meant that he was to pick the fruit. He was to... Uh, uh, garden, he was to make sure that everything was the way that it was supposed to be. There was care that was to be exercised. And, and we don't have time to go through all of the things that was in the garden. See, the fruit wouldn't rot. There were no insects to eat it. There were all of, if you didn't pick the fruit, the tree wouldn't grow anymore. And so there were jobs for Adam and Eve to do and God gave them those jobs and he told them, he said, there's one tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're not supposed to eat of that tree. Now, Adam had certainly relayed these words to Eve. But who did Eve listen to? The serpent. You see, we often, and you will hear me say this, and I, I really mean this, and I'm not trying to make light of things. I, I would dare say that almost every one of us in this room would know someone who has reported hearing voices and having emotional problems and things. I, I want to tell you that this universe is full of voices. And if you're not careful, you're going to tune in to the wrong channel. You're going to listen to things that God never designed or desired for you to listen to. Why did God let the serpent in there in the first place, somebody asked. Well, let me ask you a question. If man was not free to choose disobedience to God, was he free to choose at all? I mean, we have people here and members of our church uh, that used to live under the bondage of communism. And guess what? You had freedom of choice. It says so in the Russian Constitution. As long as you choose what we tell you to choose. Hey, do you know in the, under the Russian Constitution you had to vote? But if you voted for the wrong guy... Uh, there was bad things that were going to happen to you when you left. That's not a choice, my friend. 
That kind of freedom is not... God gave man freedom. He communicated to him what he wanted done. The garden was to be dressed. It was to be kept. There were things for Adam and Eve to do. And there was one thing for them not to do. And Eve finds herself listening to the serpent instead of listening to God. All of a sudden, Eve's perspective changes. That tree that God said, thou shalt not eat of it, all of a sudden she realized something. You know what? It was good for food. Now, why would God withhold something that is good from you? Do you know that it was pleasant to the eyes? That's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3. Here's the kicker. It was desired to make one wise. Now, if I could produce something, if somebody actually had a pill full of knowledge, how many of you would stand in line to get it? I mean, it actually worked. This thing worked. The fruit of the tree of... of the knowledge of good and evil, it was not uh, just some thing that God invented, a paper tiger, we might say, a, a pretend rule. He didn't just pick this tree. In the eating of that tree, he did give them knowledge that they had no other way of gaining. But God had said, I don't want you to have that knowledge. That knowledge will destroy you. But all of a sudden, Eve decided that she wasn't as smart as the serpent was because she didn't know. Isn't it interesting how all through history, man imitates animals? How many of you have seen the peacocks? I mean, that, and it's not the lady peacocks that are all dressed up. It's the guys. All you have to do is stand on on Steinway Street or go down 30th Avenue Saturday night and you're going to see the peacocks. I mean, feathers flying and things shining and it's not always the ladies either. Somebody's trying to get attention. Why don't we stop imitating the animals and just start listening to God? Amen. That's not part of the sermon. That's just free. But uh, Eve listened to the serpent. And what did she do? She had to make a choice whom she was going to obey. She made a choice that she would listen to By the way, if you listen to something, our our brother talked about this in Sunday school, just because the words go in here and are processed inside here doesn't mean they're going to come out here. But if you listen to something, what goes in here should come out here. How many of you have ever received instruction on how to do something? Did it work? Well, if you listened 
and understood what you listened to and did what you were told, it works. If you thought you listened to it and you thought you did what you were told, it never works. Isn't that true? Now, Eve had to make a decision and she chose to listen to the serpent. And God's judgment came. If you like a dispensational approach to Scripture, we, we just use this as, as a Bible study tool, as a method of understanding how God dealt with different people in different periods of time. Adam and Eve were to keep and dress the garden. They were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate of the tree and they had to be removed from the Garden of Eden. Why did God remove them from the Garden of Eden? Because there was another tree very close to the tree of the knowledge and good and evil. It's called the tree of life. And God said if they took of that fruit, they would be forever sealed in their sinful position. So God removed them from the garden so that mankind could be redeemed. How many know what happened next? Cain and Abel were born. They brought their sacrifices to God. Where did they get the idea to bring a sacrifice? Abel in chapter 4 it, it says here, turn with me, if you would, just turn the page. And in verse 4 of chapter 4 of the book of Genesis, And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground the best that he could produce. Abel brought a little lamb. Abel killed that lamb. Abel poured the blood of that lamb out on the sacrifice. And it says, and the fat thereof. That meant that he had opened the entrails and had taken things out and put it on the altar and burned that lamb piece by piece as a sacrifice to God. Where did Abel learn how to do this? Well, it was real easy. You see, God did the same thing when he made clothing for Adam and Eve's shame. He made a covering. He used the sacrifice of innocent animals to cover the shame and the sinfulness of not listening, of disobedience to God. Abel repeated what God had done at the end of the time in the Garden of Eden. Cain said, I'm going to do it my way. Eve listened to the serpent. You know who Cain listened to? Himself. They're all S's today. The serpent and self. In fact, the world got so full of self by the time we get to Genesis chapter 6 that the thoughts of the intents of the heart of mankind was only evil continually. You think it's bad now. Let me tell you, we know nothing of what it was before the flood. There was no churches on the entire planet. 
There were no groups of people that got together to talk about God. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God sent a flood. But Noah listened. God told him how to build a boat. When that flood was over, God gave a sign. He gave a rainbow in the clouds. He said, I'll never destroy the earth this way again. But he told man to replenish the earth, to multiply. And what did man do? Genesis chapter 11. They built a city. There was a guy named Nimrod. He became a mighty hunter before the Lord. And and people tried to make something out of that or whatever. And I I simply think it means what it says. That Nimrod began to place himself in front of God. At this point, we have God's going to show up and he's going to talk to Abraham. God talked to Enoch. God talked to Noah. Anybody who wanted to talk to God could talk to him. And actually, as far as we understand, hear a voice. And God would speak to them. I mean, how did Noah learn how to build an ark? If God God just told him, I want you to make a ship that's so long and so high, I think God gave him a few more instructions than just what's included in the Scripture so that he would get that thing built in the shape and the dimensions of that ark. You know what? Every barge that goes up the Hudson River and in through New York is built on the exact same dimensions, the exact same um, corresponding dimensions as Noah's ark was. It is the most stable vessel known to mankind. You think Noah figured that out? Uh, I think God told him how to figure it out. Amen? And what do we do? We copy it. But what was Nimrod and his people seeking? Look at Genesis 11, verse 4. And they say, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad. Upon the face of the whole earth. Since we're using S's, how about we use the word security? We're gonna we're going to make a world like we want it. We moved here to Astoria in nineteen ninety-two to start the open door Bible Baptist Church, and I was in a staples down Long Island City. And I was printing some tracks, and back then we did not have very many resources. I was actually just getting the copy center black Xerox tracks and no color, no no none of these things. But we were trying to get the message out, and I was standing in line with a guy, and he looked at what we were printing and says, Oh, you're a preacher. And I said, Yes, we're here trying to start uh, Open Door Bible Baptist Church, and here's one of the papers here. And he says, We're trying to build... Utopia on Roosevelt Island. And I thought, okay, 
I found out he wasn't kidding. He didn't get it done. Praise God, we did get what we're starting to do. Amen. But you see, the whole world seeks after security. You know, the only place you can be secure today is listening to God and resting in Him. What did God do? He came down and confounded their languages. He broke up the party. They could no longer work together. And the next thing we see God doing is He picked a man named Abraham. And he said, Abraham, you need to leave your family and you need to go to a place that I'm telling you. And what did Abraham do? He obeyed God. How many of you would leave? Now, now, ladies, don't get mad at me. The Bible says that Abraham left and he went whither he knew not. He was following God's direction. And so stop getting on us about stopping and asking for directions. We're just being scriptural. Amen. Abraham was following God. But who did Abraham listen to? Sarah. What was Abraham seeking? He was seeking the fulfillment of God's promises. He was seeking his seed. And how did he get it? Ishmael. In fact, when Isaac was born, his name meant God shall laugh. Because we still snicker just a little bit when Abraham's 100 and Sarah's 90 years old. Listen, I'm only in my late 40s. And I'm glad my baby's two years old and there aren't any more so far. Can't imagine a baby at 100 years old. That'd be kind of rough now, wouldn't it? Well, God knew what he was doing. He's going to do it in his time and his way so that only he can get the credit. But when we listen to our own selves, our own devices, when we seek to fulfill God's plans our way, all we bring is disaster. And the seed of Ishmael is still fighting the seed of Isaac. And will be until the Prince of Peace rules from the city of peace. You see, you can seek fulfillment to God's promises only by listening to God and waiting on Him. God's people went down into Egypt. They were enslaved by the world. And God judged Egypt, the most powerful nation on the earth. He destroyed them economically. He destroyed all their crops, all their livestock. He destroyed them militarily. Uh, Pharaoh and his army went into the Red Sea and were destroyed and never heard of again. He destroyed them spiritually. Each one of the gods that the Egyptians worshipped were destroyed. The Nile River, the flies. Uh, there was nothing left in the land of Egypt when the children of Israel marched out of it. In fact, history tells us that Egypt went into what they call a dark age for several generations trying to recover from what God did. Now, of course, 
they will not agree that it happened when the Bible said it happened. They will not agree that it was God that did those things, but all you got to do is read your Bible and you know it happened. But God brought his people to Mount Sinai. How many of you remember the story? Moses went through the nation and said, get ready for, against the third day. I want you to take a bath. I want you to uh, purify yourselves in every mind. I want you to think about God because you're actually going to meet God. He's going to come down. And they said the third morning, the whole mountain shook. And it was covered with a black smoke and lightnings and thunders and a consuming fire just covered the whole top of that mountain. And a trumpet began to blow louder and louder. And Moses walked out and spoke and God answered him with a voice. In Exodus chapter 20, God gave Israel the ten commandments. And when he was done speaking those Ten Commandments, what did they say? They said, Moses, you go talk to God that he doesn't do this anymore. We're scared to death of seeing and hearing that voice and, and all of the attendant things. And you know what the Lord said? He said, you've well spoken. That you wouldn't want to hear the very voice of God, that you would want Moses to get it and bring it to you. I don't know how many people have told me over the I just wish I could hear God speak. Not me. I mean, you talk about getting scared out of your skin. God is a consuming fire. He is a fearful God. I'm glad it's all written down. I can hold it in my hands. Amen. But whom did Israel listen to after they got God's law? They thought that nobody could be saved but Jews. Just for the sake of the alliteration, they sought superiority to all the world. You know what? Everybody wants to be first, now don't they? Now, I'm not one of those ones that propounds being a good loser. But if you're talking about sports, it shouldn't be that important, my friend. If you're talking about a game of chess or some other game of skill, hey, it just shouldn't be that important. I watched a 250-pound man wrestle in the Olympics. I mean, he could break me in half like a toothpick. And he lost and he cried like a baby. And I'm sitting there going, you big sissy. Only through the TV set, though. It ought not be that important. But if we lose our kids, that ought to destroy you. If we lose our purity, if we lose the battle against self and sin, that's where we ought to be. You can't lose that gracefully, my friend. 
But let me tell you, Israel became such so wrapped up in their own traditions, in their own superiority, that they believed that when Messiah would come, 150 men out of every nation would lick the dust off of their shoes and be their slaves. Why do you think they rejected Jesus? Because he did not build them up in their idea of who they were. How many wars have been fought because somebody thought they were better than somebody else? How many accidents in New York City because somebody thinks that just because they have a black Lexus, they ought to go in front of everybody else? You ever notice that? And if you have one, I'm sorry. I'm not jealous at all. They don't make them in 15 passengers. It does me absolutely no good. I really don't care. If I can't get the kids in it, what good is it? But listen, they sought superiority and God gave his judgment. It was Jesus' death on Calvary's cross. And you and I leave the camp and leave the city and go to the outskirts, the place of the skull, the place of death, and we get down on our knees before a cross. Praise God, the cross is empty. Amen. The three greatest words in all of history. It is finished. And God spoke again. And we now live in what we call the age of grace. And yet Paul described our age so well when he went to the city of Athens in Acts chapter 17. He walked through the city and he said, You are too superstitious. Didn't he? He said, You worship an altar that says to the unknown God. And somebody says, we don't do that today. How I many of you ever... Been? No, don't raise your hand if you've been to an AA meeting. But you surrender yourself to the higher power. That's the unknown God. Let me tell you something. We're too superstitious. How many people have traditions that keep them from believing the God of the Bible? Pass out tracks. It never fails. I'll give one, try to give a track somebody else. Oh, I'm okay. Yeah, the man, I had one guy actually. The man upstairs and I, we got everything all set. I said, if you didn't, you would, if you did, you wouldn't be calling him that. We have too many superstitions. They've turned the Lord's Supper into a superstition. They've turned baptism into a superstition. I think if some preacher takes you and gets you wet, that somehow that's going to get you to heaven. No! It's got to be faith in God to get you to heaven. Amen? Amen. And yet man has rejected God's judgment and it's God's word. Not listening. I wish I had a dollar for everyone said, just believing on Jesus is too simple, preacher. No, if it weren't so simple, nobody would get saved. But judgment's coming. We're studying about it on Thursday night. It's called tribulation. The Bible tells us, and we don't have time this morning, God's got his judgment in a cup. Jesus drank that cup before he went to Calvary's cross. If you don't let Jesus drink it for you, you're going to drink it. 
it's going to destroy you for eternity. But then Jesus is going to come at the end of the tribulation and set up his kingdom. A thousand years, he's going to rule and reign on this earth. The devil's going to be bound. How many people know what the Bible says happens at the end of that thousand years? Revelation chapter 20, it says, Satan must be loosed for a little season. What's he going to do? He's going to go out and deceive the nations. What are they going to be searching for? They're going to be searching for sovereignty. They don't want this king to reign over them. What's going to happen? The Bible says there's going to be fire fall down from heaven. They're going to be destroyed. And then God is going to set up the great white throne and he's going to judge all the unsaved. And then is going to be the end of God's judgment. Now I want you to notice a few things as we have literally talked our way the whole way through the scriptures. You're not going to find one time period or one people group that have not rebelled against God's word. Have not refused to listen to what God said. I hate to say it this way because some people are going to take it to the other extreme, but God knows we're going to choose sin. That's no excuse for you to go do it, my friend. Don't use that as as some churches have actually said, well, we know that the kids are going to sin, so we just ship them out when they get about 16 or 18, let them sow their wild oats and come back. I don't want my kids sowing wild oats. Because that harvest comes back sometimes all your life through. How many a young person has come to this city to sow their wild oats, to get away from mom and dad and do what they want, and to find the slavery and the bondage here was a thousand times worse than anything they ever knew. Let me tell you, the morgue is full of people who try to search for these very things that we've talked about. They're listening to the serpent. They're listening to themselves. They're seeking their own security. They're trying to fulfill the promises of God in their own life. They think they're better than everybody else. Full of superstition and trying to be God. That's the history of mankind. God paints it for us in the pages of life with the lives of men. He has given and will give every generation an opportunity to rebel against his words. Man's taken great advantage of this, but who has suffered? Man has suffered, not God. God has done Everything that could possibly done could possibly be done to allow you to hear and understand his words. There is nothing more that God could do. It's all been done for God so loved 
the elect. Is that what the Bible says? No, it says he loved the world. He loved every human being that was ever born. Jesus died to pay the price for all sins, for all men, for all time. Someone said, how could God pay the sins of some evil person that never cared? Because God doesn't want any human being to have an excuse. God is not the author of sin. He is not the causer. He gives man a choice. And if we will choose to surrender to God, he will save us forever. Amen. We're talking about listening to God. Last week we looked at the pattern in creation. This week we're looking at the pattern in human life. Can you see the contrast between the two? I mean, they're antithetical, if you like big words, they're opposites. You know when I have the most problem listening to God? This will probably sound really strange, but let me explain. I have the most problem listening to God when I think I'm listening to God. How many of you have received instruction on something? You got a new computer and you read the first page of the quick startup manual. And that dumb computer wouldn't do a blessed thing it was supposed to. Anybody else ever had that problem? You know why? You didn't listen. How many of you have taken the instructions on easy to assemble? If you've got an engineering degree from MIT, yeah. Uh, easy to assemble instructions. And you sit there in 4,352 simple steps. Oh, my goodness. I'm thrown. I'll just put it together. Anybody ever try that? It never looks like it did on the box. Not unless you follow the instructions. I used to do a lot of mechanical work, and I got one of them books that told you how to do everything. I said, I can do this. Step one, disconnect the battery. Oh, come on. Why do you do that? Well, you find out about it about step 45, when you grab a hold of something that should have been disconnected before you grab a hold of it, amen? I mean, bad things can happen when we don't follow directions. The most dangerous time is when you think you're following the directions and you're not. And where do we get there? Well, we pick up the book and we read the first page and say, oh, okay. No, it doesn't work that way. In fact, you can read every page and still miss it. Because God never intended for this book to be a repository of theology. It's a practical manual for Christian living. If you read it and you don't do it, you're like the guy that looked in the mirror and forgot to fix what you saw before you left the house. Anybody ever try that? 
Oh, yeah, I got one sticking up right in the back. I'll glue it down later. Get walking down, the wind's blowing. Oh, wait a minute, I, I didn't put glue on that spot. It's going to be flying all over the place. The reason God invented church is to give you a place to constantly check whether you're listening or not. God knows man's heart is moving in the opposite direction that God wants it to. Don't follow your heart. Don't follow your inner desires. God did not put those premonitions in the way. How many of you ever just felt like something bad was going to happen? And you just got that feeling. Boy, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just... You know what that is? It's just listening to the wrong voices. If I'm listening to God, what do I have to worry about? If I'm obedient to God, what do I have to worry about, my friend? Is there something going to happen to you that God can't take care of? I'm glad as an 11-year-old boy I put my trust in Jesus Christ. You know what? I haven't made every decision in life right. There have been times when I haven't listened. There have been times where I thought I was listening. And I wasn't. Boy, did I get into trouble. But you know what? Every person that disobeyed in the scriptures had an opportunity to turn around and come back to God and listen again. That's a word the Bible calls repentance. And if you will avail yourself of that great tool, That's how you get saved. That's how you live. That's how you walk beside Jesus day by day. If you ever get to the point where you think that your heart is leading in the right direction, you know, I've been living for Christ all these years, and, you know, I finally don't want those things that are in the world anymore. I just want Jesus, and that's all I want. You better watch Let him that standeth take heed, lest he fall. You see, faith cometh by hearing. We need to listen to God. I want you to understand that as a part of the human race, we have a very poor track record of listening to God. In fact, Jesus put it this way. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto salvation. And few there be that find it. We've had people come to our church for months, some even years. We've had several that said, yes, I'm saved pastor and baptized and After a few years, 
they realize I I prayed. I I went through the motions, but I never really gave my heart to Christ. Then they get saved. You see, church solves that problem. You keep yourself under the preaching of the gospel, and eventually you're going to come to a decision point where you'll have to get saved, or you'll have to turn your back and head the other direction. It's just the way God designed things. You ever wanted to do something wrong, really bad? You know what the solution is? Listen to God. And he'll turn you around. Some people struggle with things all their lives. I shouldn't say that. Everyone struggles with things all their lives. Isn't that true? The only solution is learning how to listen to God. We've had so many people come through our doors and we'll talk and talk about the Bible and then it'll get to the point and they'll say, well, I understand what the Bible says, but you always know something's coming. I had one guy years ago, he didn't attend here long, he said, Preacher, I really like the way you preach, and sometimes you're a little funny, and that's good. He said, but I I got a book for you I want you to read. And it was some guy that went to Africa and supposedly healed all these people back in the 60s. And he said, they had Greyhound buses full of wheelchairs and crutches that people threw away in Africa. I said, that was the 50s. Where in the world did the wheelchairs and crutches come from? They didn't have them in Africa back then. I'm trying to figure this thing out. But you know what he was doing? He was listening to that preacher. He said, see here, here's, here's evidence that God was on this, on this man's life. And he showed me a picture printed in a book and it had a halo of fire around the guy's head. He said, you can't fake things like that. I said, give me a break. I said, in the old silent movies, they were transposing one piece of film over top of the other to make people look like ghosts. Don't give me that. You can fake anything if you want to. You're listening to the wrong people. The only protection I can offer you, check out what I say based on what is written down. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But that's got to happen at a point in time. It's, it's called the new birth or being born again. It's not some super emotional thing. It's a God-oriented thing. Are you going to feel things when you get saved? Well, you ought to feel things after you're saved, but not a one of us in here can tell you anything we felt when we got born the first time. So maybe you don't get caught up in your feelings when you get born the second time and you'll be able to hear a lot better what the Bible says. If you'll be honest with God, God will be honest with you. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That means nothing else. Amen? I have the most problems when I sit down and try to think about how I'm supposed to be obedient. Preachers have an excuse. It's called, well, you've got to develop a philosophy of ministry, brother. You heard anybody talk about that? When anybody starts talking about philosophy of ministry, I start heading the other direction. Because God never told me to sit down and think about why I'm doing what I'm doing. He told me to just do it. You know what? If you sit down and think about passing out tracts, you'll never pass out a tract. Just show up Saturday morning, we'll give you a handful, and you'll go out and do it. And when it's all done, you'll say, that wasn't so bad. That didn't scare me too bad. I know one guy, he gave the testimony. He said, the first time I went out passing that tracks, he said, I was so scared. He said, I was about to uh, uh, lose my lunch, and I haven't even eaten it yet. And he said, I saw one of your little kids just passing them out like this. And he said, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> Here you go. And he said, after the first one, it went pretty easy. Listen, sometimes it's hard to say no to our family and our superstitions and yes to Jesus. But you'll never regret listening to God. Sometimes it's hard to let go of the things we think we have a hold of and are protecting us and trust only in God. But you'll never be safer as when God's got a hold of you, even though you have hold of nothing. You'll never seek yourself when you're listening to God. You'll never think yourself superior and put down others while you're listening to God. Because we're all sinners saved by grace. You're not going to be talking to the serpent if you're worshiping God because he doesn't show up when you're listening to God. You want protection from the devil? Just turn around and get close to God. You know what? The devil doesn't bother him. And he won't bother you if you're close enough to God. Amen? All of these failures that mankind has recorded through history only be solved if we stop listening to someone else other than God. God made it, makes it plain in His Word. It's very simple. I don't know if church makes any sense to you that we should gather together and have the preaching of God's Word and sing a few songs and pray together. It doesn't need to make sense. It's God's plan. That's why I'm a part of it. That's why when we support missionaries, we want missionaries who are going to start churches because that's God's plan. We want missionaries who are going to do what God said to do. We want 
to train people here in our midst who believe that the most important thing is just simply listening to what God said and doing it. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we're coming to the time of invitation. And Lord, at invitation, we're inviting everyone here to listen to you. Now, Lord, we have people here in group this size. There must be people here that have not yet trusted you as their Savior. Lord, our prayer is today that they would listen to the call. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And they would call upon that name. They would simply believe in Jesus. Turn aside everything else and know that their sins are forgiven and heaven's their home. Lord, if we polled everyone here, we could come up with a list of crises and pains and sufferings that would discourage anyone. That would just be simply overwhelming. Lord, I pray that we would not listen to what's going on around us, but we would tune our ears to hear your words. That we not just hear the words, but we would obey them. Lord, I pray that you would find us among the number, the few, who have listened to your word and turned away from the sin and degradation of this world. Lord, we pray that you would work in each heart during our time of invitation, and no one here. Of course, we know that there, there will be those who just hold back. We, we just pray that, Lord, you would help each one see the need to surrender who and what they are to you. Lord, we want to worship you today. But we can only do that when we obey your word. And in order to obey your word, we got to hear it. We ask that you would help us to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.